Amen. Before you sit down, can we all applaud the Lord in this place? Come on. <laughs> oh. All right, you can grab a seat. It's so good to be with you. I'm excited this morning. Anyone else excited this morning? I am excited. I am excited. I'm excited. God is, I just, I so enjoyed worship today, worshiping with you and the prophetic word. And I just want to say the way that you explained the tongue and interpretation. Who was that? Explain that. It was so good. Just really clear. And uh, you know, when there's a, there's a tongue, it's like a fire alarm goes off and everybody gets, your, gets everyone's attention. And then to hear the, the interpretation of it was just wonderful. So good yeah. to see a church moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And, the, and the interpretation was all about identity and just his love and how precious we are and how beautiful we are. You know, we really need to hear that a lot. Yeah. Just how God sees us. Yeah. You know, I was reading in Mark chapter 2 this week and it's the story of... Uh, the paralytic man that was brought to Jesus by four men. They climbed up on top of the roof because there were so many people inside and outside of the house. They dug a hole through the roof and lowered the paralytic man down to Jesus. Do you remember that story? And in that time, there weren't hospitals as we have now. And the custom of the day was it was the responsibility of a family to look after someone who was sick. So if someone was blind, if someone was crippled, if someone had leprosy, if someone was paralyzed, it was the responsibility of the family, everyone say family, family. to look after that member of their family. So here in this story, there's four men lowering Jesus Lowering, lowering the paralytic to Jesus, and Jesus says two words to this man that he only ever says once in the whole of, the, whole of Scripture, and it's these two words. The first thing he said before he healed it, he said, my son. Do you get it? Yeah. A man without a family is being lowered by four men down to Jesus. And the first thing Jesus deals with before he deals with his paralysis is he says, I want you to know that you're my son. I want you to know that you're my family. I want you to know you're included. I want you to know your identity before you get healed. Oh, so when I heard that today, I'm like, there it is again. There it is again. God speaking through the interpretation of a tongue. My son, my daughter, you're my kids and I love you and you're loved and you're accepted and everything else will follow that. The healing, the blessing, the prosperity, the, the meeting of needs, but I just first want you to know that you're loved. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. Wow, well, it's great to be here. I so enjoyed being with some of your leaders and some of the elders the last few days and uh, today, straight after the meeting, I drive down to Morris, to Life Church Morris, to say hi to them and then back to my lovely family. But Tom and Randy, and I just want to say thank you for releasing them, um, are speaking at, in Bath in the UK right now. And uh, they've just finished it, finishing up their time. They've just done an outstanding job at ministering to people in the church and uh, doing a marriage seminar. But uh, I, think they're, I think they leave in the next couple of days to come home. But I just wanted to say thank you so much. Um, for, those, for just for releasing them to go. They are a tremendous gift, not only to you and to this house, but to other people around the world. So I just want to say with all my heart, thank you on behalf of the church there for releasing them and letting them go. Uh, in November, the 1st of November, we have a conference, and I know it seems like a long way away um, to go all the way to England, but in November, we have a conference. It's called Generations Conference, 
And uh, this is the last year, well, this year we're going to have it in Bath, then the following year it's going to be here in the States, and then maybe we'll be back to Bath, I'm not sure. But if you would like to go to England, it's about $380, $400 return direct if you book now. Yeah, so United are doing cheap flights, so if you want to go to England, that's the time to go. Um, so book up soon and, um, and, and come to the conference. We're going to have a, a phenomenal time, and we're going to look at, again, looking at generations. God is not the God of the next generation. He's the, the God of generations. Amen? Amen? All right, if you can turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. We're on a theme. I believe you guys are too, and uh, we can choose whether the different churches want to get involved in some of these themes, but the theme for this year, does anyone know? Okay, no one knows. So obviously it's not you guys, but um, some people have been on a theme from Daniel eleven thirty-two, which is no, grow, go. Those who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. So we split the year to, into three. I'm sure you'll wake up in a minute. We're like, oh yeah, actually, I think we maybe did do that. Um, but for perhaps, maybe, possibly, you're on the second one because if you break the 12 months into three parts, that's four months on each one. So that's those who know their God, everyone say no. no. Will be strong, everyone say strong. strong. And do great exploits, everyone say great. So God wants us to know him so that we can then be, because when we know him, we are strong. And when we're strong, we can do great exploits. And they're actually sequential. If we know God, it's when we know him, when we know not just about him, but we know him, from that comes a strength. And from that strength comes the ability to do great exploits for him. Amen? Amen. And so today I want to talk about uh, strength and being strong. And I want to just, I've, I've enjoyed just listening to what God is saying, the different things you're doing, uh, rooted in hope, and all the, the, the things that you're doing as a church, just so exciting. I'm provoked by it. And I just want to, uh, being up early this morning, just praying for you and, and what you're, what you're, where you're facing and some of the things God has been saying to you, I just want to talk about that. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. So let's turn, if you can, to... Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, then you and all the people get ready to cross over the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend to the deserts of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite countries to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. But you need to be strong. Everyone say strong. strong. And courageous. Because you will lead these people into the, inheritan the, the, the inheritance that I swore to their forefathers to give them. Again, be strong and very courageous. and Be careful to obey all the law of my servant Moses that I gave to you. Do not turn to the right or to the left, that you may, may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous, prosperous, and you'll be successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong. Everyone say, be strong. be strong. 
and courageous and do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the people or ordered the, the officers to order the people or give instructions to the people to go throughout the camp and tell them to get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will, you will cross the Jordan here to go and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you today. Chapter 3, verse 1, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving instructions to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are the Levites carrying it, you are to move out of your position and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. Powerful passage of scripture and I believe God wants to speak to us and lift some of the things from this passage today but can we just pray first of all Holy Spirit we just thank you as we've already heard today that your presence is where you are present and we thank you that you are present in this room and we thank you that this book is your voice in print we thank you that this is the only book we'll ever read where the author is always present and as we just read and study and that this book today and we, just, we, we lift some of these principles and talk about the things that you've spoken over this house, that you will touch us, you'll correct us, you'll challenge us, you'll comfort us. I thank you that you never condemn us, but you do correct us so that we can stay on track. God, we just promise you all the glory for everything that you do today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Are you keeping a little bit interactive today? Okay, ready? Here's the question. What is God currently saying to you as a church in Life Church St. Peter's? Put your hands up. Yes. I'm going to come back to you. <laughs> yes. Pull up your anchor and go out. Where, where did that come from? A word that Darren Kasselbaum played? Share with the church. Is there anything else apart from that word? Is there, is there a full... So pull up your anchor because it's time to... To go? Okay, to go. Hands up if you, if you remember that word. Oh, a lot of people. Uh, do you believe this is the word of the Lord for right now? Okay, can anyone remember any other parts of that word? The guns of the ship... Our prayer, amazing. Yes. The sails are filled with the air blowing into them. Or the ship is just ready to take off. The sails of the ship are filled with the wind, with the air of God ready to take off. Great. Anybody else? This is great, isn't it? I think it's great. Yes. It's healthy. It's healthy. The ship is ready to go out. Okay, good. Excellent. Yes. It might not look like it's always looked, but we're not to be shook, shaken by that. Amen. Anybody else? Yes, sir. To stay in the ship, to not jump ship as God is moving it. To stay in the ship, not jump ship as God is moving it. Oh, amazing. Wow. All right. Can we, can, we, can we put that word, that prophetic word up on the screen? We don't have it? Okay. Um, can you come up here, Katie, and read this word? 
Listen, I'm going to ask Katie if she can read this word. Have you got it there, Katie? I do. I'm ready to go. Can we do this? Let's, I want to do something different. Are we okay? We just go for it today. I'm, I might just not even speak from my notes, but I just I think it's really important that we know what God is saying. The Bible says, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches. So if God has spoken, hands up if he has spoken. Keep your hands up if you believe that was the Lord. If you believe that was the word of the Lord to this house right now, can you stand to your feet? If you're able to. All right. Can you do this? Just close your eyes. And I'm going to ask Katie to read this prophetic word. Just close your eyes. Lift out your hands if you want. Oh, do we have a microphone? Oh, I know. Okay. This is the word from Darren Kassebaum. He had a picture of an old-time ship anchored in a safe harbor, Mm. the kind of ship that has big, white, billowy sails. He could also hear the chain hooked to anchor, clanking against the boat and dock Mm. in the harbor. He could hear the sound of the wind blowing, and he could see the wind filling the sails. He could hear the chain attached to the anchor being pulled up. The cannon doors on the side of the ship flung open, ready to be used, and the ship began to move out of the harbor. Hmm. Life Church has been sitting in a safety of the harbor, but it's been built for the open seas and is ready to move out into the ocean waters. It's a man-o'-war ship. The open seas have dangers where you can get beaten up and get seasick, but it's where we belong. There's more. Oh, there's more. Close your eyes again. (laughs) It's time to lift up the anchors and get out into the community. Our corporate expression is healthy and strong, but we need to launch out in a specific task or two to serve the community around us. Life Church is skilled at something. Find out what it is. We are not to stay within the four walls of the building. Mm. The enemy isn't threatened when we hold another conference inside the building. We need to find out where the war is and head in that direction, outside the building. Mm -hmm. Our main weapon is the prayer team. Prayer is our guns. Right, John Block? The wind is the refreshing move of Holy Spirit, and we have the possibility of ministering to those winds that will go somewhere else Mm -hmm. if we don't listen and step out. Mm -hmm. Get out of the harbor. Mm -hmm. Some people might get scared and want to jump ship. Encourage them to stay aboard. Amen. Can we just thank the Lord for that word? That's amazing work. Here, Katie. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. That was, she read well, didn't she? It was so good. If you've not had that word or you haven't seen it written down, can you ask Katie at the end to send it to you? Um, and the reason I'm saying that is the first question I ask is, what has God said in the past? Uh, you can all sit down. And the second question is, what is God saying? And I think that's a, a good question for us to always ask. What has God said? Why are we doing what we're doing? And where are we going? And the best thing, the best way to, de- to determine where we're going and keep the vision clear is to ask God what he is currently saying to the church. And you know it because he's already spoken. And then I was listening to what Bethany was doing with Anchored in Hope and I read the vision and mission statement. I thought, this is so exciting. Amen. Life after loss, is that what it's called? So exciting. You know why it's so exciting? And this is why. Isaiah 61 says this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me too. 
Everybody say two. And so often as charismatics, we love the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. I do. I just love it. And one of the words that, Tom, that God gave to Tom and Randy is the valley of dry bones. And there was, and do you remember in Ezekiel 37, the Spirit of the Lord took me to a valley of dry bones and he walked me back and forth and he said, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel, like many of us, says, only you, O Lord, know. And, which is a, a way out, really. It's a cop out. And he says, and he says, well, you, Ezekiel, you speak. You prophesied to these bones. And he did. And then he prophesied again. And this, this army that had been slain, it was a fighting force that had been destroyed and struck down. Began, sinews began to come together and bones and there was a rattling sound. And this army stood up to its feet. The question is, now what does the army do? And I want to suggest, church, that this picture of this ship, now we've been in harbor. The guns are ready. The sails are ready. The, the, the ship is healthy. It's time to leave port. It's time to move out. It's time to go and do the very thing that we're anointed to do. We get anointed and we get refreshed to go and be. But the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and the Spirit of the Lord is upon you because he's anointed us too. And then Isaiah for the whole chapter explains and lays out what we're anointed to, to bind up the brokenhearted, brokenhearted, to comfort those who mourn and for those who grieve in Zion, so that's inside of the church and out, to comfort those who mourn and for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. It's a spirit of heaviness. And there's an anointing to break the spirit of heaviness, to break the spirit of depression and oppression, to break the spirit of addiction, to break the spirit of alcoholism. That's what we're anointed to do. So it's great that we've been anointed in the harbor. It's great that the bones have come together. It's great that we're getting refreshed again. It's been great that we've been equipped to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's been great that we've, been, we've got this amazing building. But now it's time to set sail. Now it's time to go to the brokenhearted. It's time to go and set captives free. It's time. And you will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So church, I want to just, I, all I want to do today is not just preach a message, but provoke you and stir you. The writer of Hebrews says, consider how you may stir one another on and spur one another on towards good deeds. And sometimes it's hard and it would be easier just to, just to get out of a book a good church growth plan and grow, grow the, a church just the way that it sounds good. But if we listen to the Spirit of God, he'll speak. And he's spoken. He's spoken. I, I know he's spoken because most of you put your hands up and could articulate something of the prophetic word. Yes. 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 So clearly it's God. So if we believe it's God, say, God, we've heard what you say. Now we're going to come together with the leaders and we're going to say, okay, it's time to set sail. What does that mean? Are we really, Are we pulling up the anchor? What does the anchor mean? What is the sails? Well, the wind's pretty obvious. God's up for it. He's ready to go. But, but where are we going? Well, some of the things you're going has already been articulated. You're already doing them. 
comforting those who mourn, those who have, who have been who are brokenhearted, those who are captives are, are starting to get to set free. And you know, the more you go out into the seas, the greater the anointing will increase. I am convinced that the anointing is just when the Holy Spirit says, I agree. So that's why when we sing songs, if I started to sing, and I'm not going to because I can't sing, we exalt thee, or how great thou art. It's so vertical. It's not really about us or our needs. It's we exalt thee. If I sang it right now, even I couldn't sing. When I sing, the spirit and the bride say, shh. But if we did sing it, if we did, the anointing of God would fill this place. You want to try it? Yeah, uh, I'm not convinced. Maybe we'll try it later. But, but, if, but, if, but when, but it's because the Holy Ghost says, oh, I agree with that. It's not just, oh, this is a catchy song. Listen to the words and the anointing. When suddenly you go and you bind up the brokenhearted, suddenly something happens. I was sharing with the leaders this week. God has just brought me to my knees, literally challenging me on this very thing. You know, unless God builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. And this really is his house. The only thing that Jesus said he would build is his church. And he said, it's my church. In Acts chapter 9, where, where God knocked Saul as he was then, before he was Paul, off his horse. He says, why, why do you persecute me? Saul was persecuting the church. That's him. It's his. It's his church. We don't, it's not anybody's church. It's his church. And if we don't build it his way... We are just laboring in vain. Then we get tired and exhausted and where are we going? But let's listen, God. What have you said? And what are you bringing? And who are you bringing? Because it's, we are made, the building is not a temple. This is not the temple. This is not the building that he is building. He's building a building of living stones. Nothings and nobodies that are his somebodies. And he's putting together and fashioning them as living stones where he can come and reside amongst his people. It's a church that is alive. And so often, sometimes, and I'm, I'm being really vulnerable, okay, with you today. I'm just going to be really honest. I, was, I started to share this um, yesterday. And I, I welled up. I thought, oh, gosh, yeah, it was so real. Because some of this is just in the last few weeks. But as you know, for the last few years, my whole family's been in transition and being living overseas for months at a time. And, and we know that God spoke and there was no question that it was right. But it didn't. It came at a cost. It came at a cost. And I, I, I got back and some of the things and had changed and people that were once there just weren't there anymore. And I was sitting in a restaurant a few weeks ago and I was, uh, I was, I was having lunch with some visiting speakers. One of them was Benny Hinn's uh, brother-in-law. I didn't even know. Uh, sorry, uh, nephew. So this is Benny's brother's son, and he was speaking at the church. I had no idea he was connected to Benny Hinn, and I was actually doing an impression of Benny Hinn at lunch. He goes, that's my uncle. I'm like, wait, what? Oh, Hinn. Yeah, Hinn. Oh. But it was funny, and he laughed. I was going, hallelujah. Anyway. Anyway, we were talking to these people, and they'd flown in, and we were deep in conversation, and I'd take them to this nice restaurant. I really wanted to honor them well, and we're eating sushi, and somebody tapped on my shoulder, and I turned around, and there was a, a person there, a little disheveled, and they just said, hey, um, I just, can I talk to you? Are you Pastor Dan? I'm like, yeah, you can just call me Dan, but yeah. Uh, wh what's your name? He told me his name, and he just started to talk, and I, I was like, I'm kind of busy, kind of in a conversation here. Can't you, you know, this... Social grace is like I'm obviously in a conversation and you're talking to me and he was just telling me about his life and I'm like, yep, good. Yeah, that's great, man. Oh, cool. Yeah, good. 
like, let's wind this conversation up because kind of busy here. And he said, uh, and he said, my dad was in prison because of the things that he had done. And um, I was, t- he had a, a, a meth uh, uh, habit, which was a, $1,000 a day. And I was climbing, he would climb into dumpsters to get food. And then the social service took me away. And then my, my mother died. And I'm like, oh, wow. And then he, he said, uh, but I just wanted to just say thank you to you because uh, I'm a part of this church called Life Church and I just gave my life to the Lord. And my whole life is just completely different. And his eyes were filling up with tears. And I was, I was honestly disgusted at myself. I'm like, I was, two minutes ago, I was, you're disturbing my sushi. And suddenly I just got out of the booth and I just gave him a hug. I said, what's your name, man? He told me and I said, just God forgive me. And ever since then I realized that the building materials that God build, God uses to build his house are actually people. And they're not normally the people that we would necessarily choose, but they're the people that he absolutely loves. And he has anointed us to reach them. He has not just anointed us just so that we can just get refreshed again and again and again. He has anointed us too. Everyone say too. I, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you as a church to look at Isaiah 61. And I believe in Isaiah 61, you will see your mission field as you leave harbor. As you pull up this, this anchor, as you begin to set sail, as you get your guns ready and begin to pray, as the leaders, which I believe are, are, the, are the, the, the sails of the leaders in all different sizes, and they know which, which leader is needed at which time, and there's big sails and small sails, and sails for steering, and, and sails for speed, and sails to avoiding things, and different sails, as, as, as it all becomes clear that you will begin to collect people, you will get people people that are drowning, collect people that have actually drowned and come back to life again. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon you and the winds of His Spirit are blowing and it's time right now. It's time right now. It's time right now. And if you listen to the word, there's a warning in there as well that we can miss it. I encourage you, church, now's the time. Now's the time. And, but don't just go aimlessly, but start charting a course. What is God doing don't just come up with a plan. Maybe we should just go and do this. Well, do it if it's, what, if it's where there's an anointing, where God is leading you. And I want to suggest that many of the things that he's leading you into, you're already doing. But as you hone in on them, they'll just get bigger. Let God choose. My mother used to always say, God always gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. <laughs> okay. All right. We're going to get in the word, won't we? What are we going to do? Okay. I, I want to bring three things really quickly. And the first is celebration. It's the word celebration. The second is the word preparation. And the third is the word manifestation. Will you say that with me? Number one is celebration. Number two is preparation. Number three is manifestation. This isn't a message I've got out of a file. It's something that God spoke to me in the last week or so. And it's just been stirring and stirring and stirring. And when we arrived here, I thought, here it is again. And, and here's, here's what I want to say. that prophetic words are not just for celebration. They are for preparation. And I'm going to say it again. Prophetic words are not just for celebration. They are for preparation, which will always lead to manifestation. 
So when God speaks, the danger is, so we go, oh, what a great word. Thank you so much. Whether it's individual or it's corporate. Hands up if you ever had a prophetic word over your life. You know, someone got a word today about the Ferrari and the, and the door opening. Who was that? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it, be, it, would be, it would be terrible, wouldn't it? If you just, that was such a great word. You write it down, you tell everybody oh, this word, I'm like a Ferrari. But a year from now, you're still vroom, vroom, vroom in the garage. But sometimes as charismatics, we do that. We love the gifts. We love hearing God speak. We celebrate it. But, we're, but charismatics, charis is gift, it's grace. It's not charismatic. It's not, oh, well, God spoke, so now it's going to happen. No, now we have to do something about it. Faith without works is dead. James says this, if you hear the word, but you don't put it into practice, you deceive yourself. So we can actually fall into deception by not doing the word. Do you remember the story of the, the wise man builds his house upon the rock? Do you remember that? The foolish man builds his house upon the sand. And the winds came, the rain came down, and the wind came across. And the house that was built on the sand comes down with a great big crash. But the house that's built on the rock stands firm. What's the point of that? Anyone know? He is a rock, yep. Here's the interpretation. He who hears the word and does it is the one who builds his house on the rock. Amazing. He who hears the word and doesn't do it will collapse. And watch this. Either way, the winds come. Either way, the rain comes. So I want to provoke you because, and I'm only saying this because you stood up and said you believed it was the word of the Lord. If we believe it's the word of the Lord, that then I want to promise you, because Jesus said it will happen, the rains will come, the storms will come. Not good rains, <laughs> but the, the, the winds that could wipe you out. But... I want to build my house on the rock. Okay, it sounds great until we know what it means. And what it means is he who hears the word and does it. Amen. I'm going to do it. I, there's a word for this church. Don't jump out of the boat. Stay in the boat. Stay in. Find out what God's doing. What can I do? Listen to the leaders as they, as they say, okay, we need someone to cook. We need someone to do this. We need this we need, that person needs to be rescued. Can you pull them up? Hey, while, while, you're, while we're ministering to this single, fat, this single mother or this family whose dad is on drugs or this person that's just lost a parent or lost, lost a loved one or lost a child, could you watch their other kids? It's why we rescue them. Why we comfort those who mourn. And those who grieve in Zion. As we bind up the brokenhearted, as we allow the anointing of God that is upon this house to embrace them and pull them in. Could you watch their kids? Could you watch their... Oh, I don't want to do childcare. Oh, no. Oh, I'm not doing that. Oh, I've been doing that for 20 years. But here's the problem. If you've just been doing it while people are just getting refreshed in the main meeting, but nothing's actually happening, I can understand. Right? It's like, oh, it's just a little bit... Oh, same old, same old. But... But, 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 but the ship is leaving harbor now. So now you're going to start seeing purpose. And I want to say this, this ship has been in harbor for a purpose, for a reason. It's good. The ship got mended and fixed. People were rescued. I was reminded in worship this morning that when the elders were set in, I had a word for Tom. I, and if maybe you could, someone could find it. But, but Tom's 
Tom's job was to build the boat. And the boat was people. They came in worship. I was like, that's Tom's job, to rescue people. And they become the boat to rescue more people. And in this season, I've just prophesied that different people and the leaders are going to figure out who to do what. And it's going to be a ship that is going to go with power and precision, with lots of prayer. Amen, Amen John. <laughs> with lots of prayer, and you're going to collect people. And you're going to know an anointing like you've never known before. But I want to say this to you. It's, a, it's the anointing that is always to something. It was to you so that you could go and to somebody else. He refreshes us so that we can refresh others. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing. We have an encounter so that we can be an encounter. Anything, anything that doesn't have an outlet will die. We've got to flow. And this church is not dead. This church is alive. This church has heard the word of the Lord and it's a ship that is ready to set sail. All right, so three things. And here, going back to the, to the story in Joshua, tomorrow I will do amazing things amongst you, but today you must get ready for tomorrow. It's interesting that straight after God says, be strong, be strong and very courageous, be strong, be strong, be strong, be strong, then he gave the instructions. So you've been strong, you've got strong, you've got strong, you've got strong, you've been in harbor, you've been getting sorted out. Things put in the right place. God's given you a facility that facilitates. We cannot serve buildings. Buildings must serve us. They're just facilities. There's nothing holy about this building. It's just a building, but it's a facility to facilitate a massive vision. So, straight after they got it, be strong. You must be strong. Be strong. Now, here's the instruction. You got strong. The instruction came. The prophetic word about a boat. You've all said that was the word of the Lord. First thing. That's the word of the Lord. That's the word of the Lord. Right through the congregation. That's the word of the Lord. You stood. You heard the word of the Lord again. And I just want to encourage you. Now, 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 get ready. Get ready. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. God will do amazing things amongst you. So number one is celebration. Prophetic word is not just for celebration. It's for, for preparation. Hands up if you've ever had a baby. Do you remember that feeling, and hopefully it was a good feeling, when you saw that plus sign on the pregnancy test? You know, prophetic words are like that. It's like, oh, positive. Yes, this is what we've been praying for. We have a word from God. This is so exciting. Oh my gosh, we're having a baby. And you tell your friends, and you whisper, it's like, I know it's not 12 weeks yet, but, but we're having a baby. This is so exciting. And then 12 weeks goes by, and you're like, we're having a baby. And then suddenly, what? You feel sick, and morning sickness comes, and you go from celebration into preparation. And suddenly this, this excitement begins to wane, and it's like, I feel sick. And then the husband says, oh my gosh, we have a two-seater sports car. We're going to have to sell it and buy a family van. We have a nice condo, but now we need to buy a crib, and we need a nursery. And now I've got to start thinking about college, and I've got to be thinking about this and saving for this. My life is beginning to change. And that celebration quickly becomes preparation. And, we, we, and there's something, church, about this preparation which is in the very design and heart of God himself. Yeah. Do you remember Joseph? He gets this word. Your brothers are going to bow down to you. And he's like, sweet, because I'm the youngest. I, I've honestly, I really believe that's the word of the Lord. Yeah, I'm excited. I think I should go and tell them. <laughs> so he goes and tells them 
with his great flashy multicolored coat that his dad gave him because he liked him because he was the young one and he was so cute. And he goes, hey, check it out. Gather around. Let me tell you about this dream I've had that one day you're going to all bow down before me. And they're like, oh yeah? Oh yeah? Really? Wow, Joseph, because we're the ones that do all the work while you're at home, daddy's boy, getting a nice coat and you don't do anything. And so you know the story. They sell him into slavery and he goes from this great promise that he has, this great dream, straight into a pit. And he goes from a pit into a palace and from a palace into prison. And seven years in that prison, he learned how to interpret dreams. He goes from celebration, flashy coat, great word, thank you very much. I know what I'll do with this word. I'll tell everybody how great this is. And he goes from there, from the promise, straight into process. He goes from celebration, straight into preparation. But it was in that preparation that God did his finest work. You know, in the end, he came out of prison for seven years with a 14-year plan. Seven years of prosperity and seven years of famine. He came out and he was able to interpret the dream because he'd learnt it with inmates. Preparation is so important. What about David? His father brings his sons in because the prophet comes into town. And Samuel says, I'm going to anoint one of your boys, Jesse, as king. And he lines them all up. He goes, nope, 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 all the way down the line. He says, have you got any more? Well, there's just Dave. But Dave's a little kind of, he likes to play the harp and he's a little bit different. And uh, he's just out there with the sheep. But these are the boys. These are the fighting men. These are the strong. These are the head and shoulders guy. And the prophet says, I'm not going to sit down until he's here. Go get him. And he brings this youngest in. And he brings him in. He says, this is the one. And he pours the horn of oil over his head and he anoints him right there and then. And then, this is David, went straight back to the fields to look after sheep. What's my point? That celebration moment must have been awesome. (laughs) Me again, boys. You thought you were out here, you were going to one of you going to be chosen, there's just me looking after sheep. Didn't even get chosen because I have red hair. Look at me now. And then suddenly you're like, whoa, 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 preparation time. You're going to have to learn to kill a lion and a bear with a slingshot. And he does that. And God does his finest work. Psalms, poetry, things that we still glean from and write songs today because of a process, because of a season of preparation. Preparation. Preparation is so, so important. The other person is, is Paul. Paul has a heavenly vision. And that heavenly vision... By the end, he says, the only thing that I really know for sure is that hardship and and imprisonment await me. He says for these, in 2 Corinthians 4, he says, for these light and momentary troubles are achieving for me. That's an interesting word. They're achieving for me an eternal glory. Glory means weight that far outweighs them all. 
these troubles. You know, troubles create weight. Troubles create substance. James says it like this in James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know it is the testing of your faith that produces perseverance. And perseverance must, everyone say must, it must finish its work finish its work so that we can become mature and complete and lack nothing. It far outweighs them all. Troubles achieve weight. Troubles achieve weight. Process is important. Preparation is important. Church, I want to just provoke you. Look at the process that you're in. Look at the time of preparation. God has spoken. There's a time of celebration. Celebration always leads to preparation. And there's a time right now, I believe God is getting you in preparing. And it's not, it's not a long season. It's not a long season. You know, the other week when God was speaking to me about this, I started to talk about to the church because God spoke to us through a prophetic words, several prophetic words, when they all lined up. And I'd been gone for several months, got back from, from the UK. And in, I mean, this is crazy. It kind of breaks every leadership book. But I got back and I said, sir, I said, church, I believe we should go into a 40-day fast starting next week. And in three weeks, we're going to move buildings and move cities. Amen. And we did it. But the word was simply this. It was from a guy called Brian Simmons, not Gene Simmons. I made that mistake. <laughs> Gene Simmons has brought us a word from the Lord. And everyone's like, what? And he's coming to the church to tell us about it. They were like, people on the back row were like, this is sweet. I love this church. But his name is Brian Simmons. He was, the, uh, he was the translator of the Passion Translation of the Bible. And it just, even him coming to the church was a miracle. He just had one gap and God spoke to him. I want you to go to Life Church in St. Charles. And halfway through, he stops speaking and he says, and says the Lord, I want to talk to you about a building because a move is coming and I'm going to make something old become something new and it's not very far from you. I'm going to take you from an upper room down to street level and I'm going to do it in the month of February. Get ready. And everyone was like, what? We're in an upper room. I'm going to take you from an upper room down to street level. Something old will become something new and it's not very far from you. We moved like three miles down the road to a big wide open space that had a revival in it in the early 70s. And the, it was between a, a Lutheran church and a Catholic church and the, Catholic, and the fence blew down in a strong wind and the Catholic priest went and, and to talk to the, to the Lutheran pastor about the fence and he, the, the Catholic priest led the Lutheran pastor into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> this is in like 1973. I wasn't even born. Uh, can I just say a cool story about this? This is, just, this is amazing how God works, right? So do you remember Ian Andrews? He's been here before. Right, so this is all going on. I meet these, I, I see a sign in, in, in a place called Geneva, which is right twin next to St. Charles, and it says healing meetings on Friday night. And I'm like, I didn't, I was jet lagged, just got back from England for a short time, and I was like, wow, I didn't know there was healing meetings going on in this city. I want to go. So I went, and it was, all, it was all locked up. I thought I must have missed the time. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, I was asked, I met one of the, the pastors and, and he, they invited us to come me to go and pray with them and I just started to, to talk to them about the things of the Spirit and they said, yeah, and they told us about this great revival that happened. I said, this is amazing. And I said, where? And they said, the gymnasium was built for revival. And I went to this gymnasium and you can fit like 600 people in this gym. Right? And I'm like, wow. And I walked in there and we began to pray together and we just began to just to seek God and the Holy Spirit would always show up with the Lutheran pastors. 
And one of them just said, son, uh, God spoke to me about you this morning, and next week I want to meet with the board, and I think there's something in the future about this gym that Life Church needs to be involved in. I'm like, yes, excellent, fantastic. That was on the Friday. On Sunday morning at 8 o'clock, he had a heart attack and died. I'm like, what now? You know, setbacks are often set-ups. They then asked me to speak at the funeral. I said, I don't even know him. I only prayed for him a few times. And I went, I know, but you met in the spirit. There was something in the spirit that happened. I'm like, okay. So I spoke at the funeral and I started to talk about this, what God was doing. And it was just fantastic. Anyway, the journey carries on and carries on. And I said, could, maybe one day we could, we could meet in the gym and could we have some revival meetings? Because revival is to revive. And God already poured out his spirit so he could revive all of us, revive us all. Could we have a revival here again? Because he already poured out his spirit. And they were like, yeah, okay. But we're Lutherans. I'm like, I know. <laughs> but let's just, let's just, I didn't really know what to say. Because I don't really understand about what everything the Lutherans believe. And, you know, they were definitely suspicious. So they said, we're going to have a board meeting. I said, okay. So I was sitting in my office and I, it was like 40 minutes before the, the board meeting. And Ian Andrews, who I hadn't spoken to for five months, calls me. Hello, Dan. It's Ian. Hey, Ian. How you doing? He said, I'm doing good. He said, thanks for letting me speak at the conference last November. We haven't talked since then. I said, I know. I said, you're doing well? He said, yeah, I'm doing well. The reason I'm calling is I keep seeing a sign saying Geneva. And you live in Geneva? I said, yeah. And he said, and I just feel like God is going to open ancient doors. Now, I'm English, so I'm a little skeptical, right? So I'm like, oh, Really? I'm looking at my watch, 40 minutes as a board meeting in Geneva. Like, really? I know I shouldn't be skeptical. I'm a pastor, but I'm like... So I said, Ian, listen, tell me the truth. Do you know anything about what I'm facing right now? He said, no. I said, do you know anything about the meeting going on right now? He said, no. I said, do you know anything about the Lutheran church? He said, what Lutheran church? He said, oh, I'll tell you something about the Lutherans. I said, go ahead. I'm still like... He said, uh, Derek Prince called me one time in my life. And he said, in two weeks' time, you're going to get a call, Ian. This is in 1972, also before I was born. And he said, Ian, he said, the head of the Lutheran church is going to call you in the next two weeks and ask you to go and speak at their conference in Minneapolis. And there's like 20,000 people there. It's called the Holy Spirit Conference. And he said, two weeks later, Ian's telling me this, two weeks later, um, the head of the Lutheran church called him and invited him to come. So he said, I went. And he said, and then the next year they invited me back again. And the Holy Spirit broke out. And at the end of my session, a pastor came up to me. And his name was Del Rosine. And he said, Ian Andrews, I loved your message. I am the pastor of a Lutheran church in Geneva, Illinois. And the fence blew down. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit from a Catholic priest. And I don't really know what to do. But all these people are getting saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're the Missouri Senate and we're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> now I'm like this on the phone. <laughs> Speechless. Looking at my clock, now 10 minutes before their meeting, to decide whether Life Church can go in there. 
And I went, wait, 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 wait. hang on a second. Car what are you saying? He said, yeah, the guy's name was Del Rosine, and he was the pastor. So I went, the power of the Holy Spirit came, revival did break out, and the last thing I remember, if I remember rightly, they were building a gymnasium to house the glory of God. Oh. I nearly choked. I went, I got to go. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I put the phone down. This is all in the last few months. And I called Pastor Phil at a Lutheran church. I said, Pastor Phil, he said, Dan, I can't talk now. You know we're about to go into session. I said, you, wait a listen to this story. I said, do you know who Ian Andrews is? He said, no. I said, blah, 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 I told him the whole story. He goes, what? He goes, I've got goose. I've got chills. I've got to go. Bye. Puts the phone down, walks into the meeting, goes into session. He goes, have you heard of Ian Andrews? They went, yes, we've heard. We remember Ian Andrews. Brother Ian Andrews. He spoke here in the Holy Spirit. Blah, blah, blah. He, oh, well, he just called Dan about 40 minutes ago out of the blue and said he keeps seeing signs in Geneva. And, blah, 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 blah. and they went, hey, it's unanimous. This is God. Give the church the gym. We're going to remove the school out and give them the whole, everything they're asking for. Woo! Done. Yeah. Decision made. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. That was in the month of February. Yeah. Oh. So I'm, talking, I'm telling this because that was such celebration. It was so great. And everyone was like, wow, this is amazing. People crying. And then the next week we move in and now we've got to bread tear down and set up. And they're like, really? We own our building. You know, we own our building. And now there's problems and there's challenges with parking and they don't like this and we shouldn't be doing that. And there's rules here, you know, and you can't do this. And it's too loud. We can hear the drums. And, and it's like, oh, wait, we didn't sign up for this. You know, it felt like, it, it felt like after they crossed over, it was better in Egypt. We had, we, had, we had three square meals a day. And it's like, no, you've got to keep going. We've got to cross over. We've, we've, the celebration is one thing, but celebration always leads us to preparation and to manifestation. And so church, I, I'm, I'm telling, I'm telling the ch our church this last, in the last like three weeks ago. And this word just came to me in early in the morning about how prophetic word is not just for celebration. It's for preparation. We've got to get prepared. I'm encouraging the church. Keep going. And I'm thinking, gosh, Lord, please let there be a manifestation. Please let there be a manifestation. I don't know how I can keep up this preparation. And, so, and it's like, no, 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 it's okay. Keep, keep, keep doing the nursery. Yeah, keep doing this. Keep serving. Please serve. Hey, it's okay. It's great. God has spoken. This is the word. Remember the word? Celebrate. Yeah, yeah. Prepare. Prepare. I know. I know it's hard. It's difficult now. I know this morning sick. I know it's going to cost more money. I know we can't really afford it. And when you have kids, you can never really afford it. I get all that. But, but it's, it's going to be okay. The manifestation is coming. And I'm like, God, please do this in the next six months. I don't know how much I can keep this going. I was honoring you, Lord. I obeyed you. We did. We listened to the word and it doesn't seem to be working. And suddenly someone stands up in the meeting while I'm speaking and says, I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm like, What? And he says, yeah, five years ago, I'm a, he said, I'm a car salesman. And that lady in the church and her husband were test driving a car. And they had a word for me. Like, I didn't know where they got it from, like from God or something. And she said, can I pray for you? She put her hand on me and I felt the power of God go up my arm. I never forgot it. And this week, I thought, I want to know that power of God again. So I called the lady. But I got through, through, through Facebook. I said, I want to experience the power of God again. She said, come to church. And he gets saved right there and then. Filled with the Holy Spirit. We baptize in water. 
the next Sunday in the swimming pool and he comes out just glowing with God. And then his sister says, I want to get saved too. So he baptized her. And then his daughter says, I want to get saved too. The lady who had the word five years ago since then had a stroke. So now she's in church going, this is amazing. Something I did, a touch in a car on a test drive is now manifesting five years later when I'm looking for my own healing and I'm seeing people getting healed. And somebody else, a sound, a sound engineer, who we'd brought on knowing he didn't know the Lord, we brought him on staff. He was dealing with depression, he was dealing with all kinds of stuff. And I know I'm running out of time, but he was every Sunday in meeting, he just... He'd be doing the sound and PA, running around in a building like this, trying to get everything right. Eyes dark. He wouldn't mind me sharing this. Just dealing with all kinds of issues. And we just, the church just loved him. Loved him. Gave him the gospel. I'm not ready for that. I don't know what's going on, but I'm not ready for that. And there was a fundraiser for a missions that we were doing to Panama. And he was asked to do the sound. And he's doing the sound. And he's in the sound booth. And... At the end, he was so moved, he thought, I don't have anything to give into this, into this offering for Panama. I wonder if I've got some coins in my ashtray in my car. So he left the building and went downstairs thinking, and he looked into his account online, he had 11 cents. And he came back up, and, and, and the, the organizer of, this, of the trip said, what happened to the sound guy, we want to bless him with some money. I said, I don't know, call him. So I gave him my phone and they called him. He said, where are you? He said, I'm in my car, I'll be back in a minute. He didn't have any, he only had like a couple of nickels and, and he was embarrassed and he felt ashamed and he came upstairs and he said, what's going on? They said, we just wanted to give you this gift to say thank you. Now, I'll tell you on it, his sound wasn't even very good. Fact, <laughs> even the video he was meant to play didn't even work with that sound and they were all like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. <laughs> And here's him feeling bad. I got no money. Everything's just not working out. I've messed up the sound. And here's the church, someone in the church saying, we just want to bless you. And gave him a check for $100. And, I'm, and so, and, uh, so I'm, I didn't know that was going on. And I just about to leave the meeting. And it's a Sunday afternoon. And somebody came up to me and they said, uh, who's, he said, hey, we just want to bless you, Dan. And, and they gave me a Pentecostal handshake. And as soon as I saw it was $100, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I said, hey, hang on. I do not want your money. You're not, that's the, that's the blessing. My blessing is to be able to be a part of this and sow into you. You are not giving me a blessing. They said, well, we insist. I said, I insist, no. There's no way. This is a fundraiser for Panama. You're giving me money? And they said, please take it. And he kind of looked firm. So I was like, okay. So I'm stood there this with my bag. And I turned around, and there was a PA guy. I said, hey, how you doing, man? Shake my hand. I shook his hand. And I pulled it away. He opened his hand. He goes, why did you give me 100 bucks? I said, I don't know, man. I just wanted to give it to you. Someone just gave it to me. <laughs> he said, you don't understand. I said, what's going on? He said, I, met, I was meant to play at a gig last night in a coffee shop, and they were going to give me $200, and I needed that money because I only had 11 cents in my bank account. He said, but I forgot to hit send to reply to the application to play. So I assumed I was in and I went and showed up and somebody else was there. So I was embarrassed and I couldn't play. And now I have no money. And I felt so moved during this thing 
today that I went to, go into my, to get money from my ashtray and I only had a nickel. And I came back upstairs and someone gave me some money for $100. And then you just gave me another $100. So now I have $200, which I missed yesterday. I don't know what's going on. He starts to cry. And I said, well, man, wait till you give your life to Jesus. <laughs> then, <laughs> you need to really get ready. And we're stood on, a, stood on a stairwell. I'm walking down the stairs. And he goes, I'm ready now. <laughs> Turn around. I went, what? He said, I'm ready now. I'm ready. So I said, okay. So I turned around and said, hey, Fee, you ready to go? Come on, me. I said, two of these guys, one's an evangelist, like a world evangelist, like, you know, on those big stages, his name's Solomon. So I said, Solomon, come here. <laughs> we gathered around four of us. I said, tell, tell these guys what you just told me. He said, I'm just ready, and told them the whole story in detail, and I had no money, and this is what's happening. I don't know what's going on. And we led him in a prayer. And literally, I won't share exactly what he said, because they're not words that are in the Bible. <laughs> but when we started to pray for him, he goes, whoa, what was that? He goes, stop, she's going to leaving me. What was that? What the, was that? <laughs> he gets filled with the Holy Spirit and starts going, Shut what was that? What am I saying? <laughs> and he's speaking in tongues. <laughs> what am I saying? What's going on? What was that leaving me? And he's looking out his back and going, ah. And we let him go. And he's like, wow, I want to get baptized right now. So, church, celebration leads to preparation. Preparation leads to manifestation. Unless God builds the house, we labor in vain. And I want to encourage you. I know time is gone. I'm nearly done. But I want to encourage you. Manifestation is coming because you, you, God has fixed you. He's fixed me. He's changed me. He's changed you. He's touched me. He's touched you. We've encountered him in a harbor. And now he says it's time. I can hear the anchor being pulled up. The prayer sails are getting ready. The wind is blowing. The cannons are getting ready. It's a great weapons of our warfare is prayer. The manifestation is coming. Manifestation is coming. And I just want to say it's messy. We have twin boys. They just turned 17 uh, two weeks ago. When we first found out that we were having twins, the celebration was great for me. Fee, not so much. I've been praying for twin boys. So when it was an Indian doctor, he goes, oh, this is very good. I see double. And she was like, what? I'm like, yes, what? double what? And he was like, baby number one. Baby number two. And I said, is there a three? He literally just went, oh. Just like out of body experience. Just, what? <laughs> so it was a good celebration for me. Feed caught on later on and thought this is a great thing. You get, you get two for one, right? It gets two in, in, in seven months. It's, anyway. So. <laughs> but when feed, everything got extremely uncomfortable. If you've had twins, it just, it's a lot to carry. It's a lot to do, but when manifestation came, I was an hour and a half away, and I got a call at four in the morning. The twins are coming. And I flew down the highway. We were at Bible school, and my tires were bold on my car, and I asked my dad if he'd pick me up halfway. It was raining. My dad drove 140 miles an hour. Yes, he did. Yes, my dad. Sweet. So good. We pulled up. 
And I ran through the hospital. They said, father of twins. I'm like, yeah, they go, that way. So I get there and I, I walk in. I went, hey, guys, thanks for waiting. They all looked at me like we weren't waiting. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. They go and put your suit on. So I put my thing on and, you know, there's all this stuff going on and alarms going off and machines and doctors and they pulled Isaac out first and then the Judah and, and, then, the, and then suddenly fees rushed off somewhere and I'm just kind of watching. Like, I don't really know what's going on. Can I do something? No. So... I'm just stood there kind of in bewilderment. And the man, this is the manifestation. This is the fulfillment of the promise. This isn't quite what I thought. Step away, sir. Go away. Wash your hands. Stop it. Be quiet. Beep, beep. What's that noise? Is that okay? Are they alive? It's definitely boys, right? Is it a girl? Is it a boy? What's that? Are they okay? Is V okay? And it's just mayhem. And a couple of hours later, these two little babies, snug as a bug in a rug under a heat lamp. And Fee opens her eyes and the Doors all close in this silence. Fee and I look at each other and, cr- and cry and hug each other. And we pick up these little babies and say, this is the fulfillment of the promise. But I want you to know, the celebration was great. And so is the manifestation. The in-between can be a journey. But it's all part of the process. And we have to go through it. So I want to say this. As you start getting this boat ready... As you start getting ready to set sail, as you start figuring out who does what, what goes where, who's going to chart the course, where do you go first, what is God saying? Always celebrate what he said and he's promised. Remember what he said. Write it down. Read it. Remind yourself of it. Talk about it. Ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate different parts of it. Find the scriptures that coincide with what God is saying, like Isaiah 61. Get ready for preparation. It's a lot of hard work. But the manifestation will come. And the reason why is because God said it. And if he said it, it will come to pass. Amen. Can we all stand together? Oh, thank you, God. Mm. Mm. I know we normally put our hands on our heart, but I want you to put your hand on your belly. Some it's easier for others. Hey, you know you're on the level when the bubble's in the middle. That's for all the construction people. <laughs> you know, when John chapter 7 says, if anyone is, is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Watch this. I think this is fascinating. And streams of living water will come from within him. Another translation says from his belly. That's really funny, isn't it? If you're thirsty, then drink for what's already inside of you. Because <laughs> there's a well inside of you. And I just, as you go there, just close your eyes. I just want to pray. I'm not going to ask for appeal today. I'm just going to ask. Because I know you're thirsty. You're thirsty, right? You're thirsty, right? Yeah. Holy Spirit, we want to thank you for what you've said. We thank, want to thank you for what you've done. We want to thank you for what you've promised. We thank you for every word that has been spoken over this church, over this house, from its inception. We thank you for Tom and Randy. We thank you for the words about the valley of dry bones. We thank you for the words about rescuing people that were drowning, that have gone overboard. We thank you for the harbor that this church has been. We thank you for this building that you've given us. We thank you for all the the people, the skill sets to, to, to go on this journey and do the very thing that is most on your heart, and that is to rescue people because you love people. And God, we just, we, we, we just speak. Right now, just imagine the people 
that, that are on your heart, the people that you know, people that are broken, people that are lost, people that have addiction problems, people who are brokenhearted, people who have a spirit of heaviness, people who have addictions, people who have oppression and depression and bipolar, people who have, have, have diseases and, and things that the doctors say there is no cure for. When Jesus died, he said, it is finished. And I have anointed you, my church, to go and set the captives free. So Holy Ghost, I ask that you would stir us, that we would drink afresh of what you've already put inside of us, that you would replenish us today, God, so that tomorrow we can go. I ask today we would get ready for tomorrow so that we can be tomorrow's people today. I thank you that we would not just stay in a place of celebration in the harbor that we've been in, but we go from celebration to preparation. We go from preparation to manifestation. So God, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you promised. And thank you that there's going to be a manifestation of all of it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Can we applaud the Lord for what he's done and said, amen. Thank you. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> I just work and somewhere else. No. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Dan. Amen. Can we applaud Dan one more time? All right. So I think we have to take that and understand that all of us have a part to play. Amen. So we all need to be pressing into God. All need to be working on preparation individually, corporately, preparing, getting ready to set sail. So thank you, Dan, for that encouragement. And with that, we are dismissed.